Hey, Dave. Hey, what's up, Andy? Not much. New year, new me, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm thinking new year, same me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. I, you know, not much, you know, I don't, I'm not really thinking too much is going to change with myself. That's okay. You know, you got to be happy with who you are. <laughs> that's right, man. With some uh, horror watching podcasting freaks. And so maybe I can double the amount of horror movies I saw in 2020. There you go. That That's a realistic goal. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm kind of kind of looking forward to the new year and with what we can do with the podcast. I mean, you know, not I'm not don't don't get me wrong, I'm not super ambitious, but uh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but you know, we can I can I can always I got some ideas for things I can do on the podcast, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, man, uh, wanted to wanted to join up with you this time, and we wanted we wanted to tackle a topic that I think has an unfair uh what do you call it people just look down on it and that is uh, 90s horror i think you know people look at that decade of horror that the movies that came out in the 90s and and the general consensus and you know you can you can um, disagree with me if you want Dave, but i think the general consensus seems to be like the 90s kind of sucked for horror uh what do you think dave yeah that's probably somebody's bumper sticker man it seems that when Scream came out, was that 95, 96? People said it redefined and it kind of saved the horror franchise. But there was tons of horror movies out. I think the biggest thing that I've noticed is the switch from 80s to 90s horror was like a crazy switch. Like we went from the splatter, insane 80s hair metal horror movies that we love and the MPAA got heavily involved and a lot of the horror movies got censored. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was definitely like a stumbling block for a lot of like horror movies. You know, they, uh, you know, they got cut, especially with like some of the later, uh, we, we saw that with a lot of the later Friday 13th movies that came out, they got heavily edited. Uh, but those were like in the later eighties. So that kind of leading up to the nineties, uh, maybe, maybe it made people a little, uh, hesitant to make a horror movie because they didn't want to get you know edited down to where it was just like i don't know just you know taking out all the good parts but sure um, well if you think about it like when the 90s came around all of the big horror franchises were knee deep in the series you had the latest of the texas chainsaw massacres the latest of the friday 13th like you said but also the nightmare on elm streets the Hellraisers, and there was like a drastic switch in the writing and even in just i hate to say the storyline because i just said writing but you could literally tell what you were getting into but that's the biggest problem is people seem to only focus on what's bad and then you and i got together and i got to give a shout real quick before we get too deep into this because somebody out there's listening is like hey i've i think i know where this is going yes you um I have been on the Fade Five from Fans podcast with Jamie Ray, and we had Neil join us. We talked about underrated 90s horror films. So if you think that you're going to hear some of those movies, you are correct because they were heavily <laughs> underrated, and Andy and I love them both. But if you don't want any spoilers, listen to that episode first. Fade Five from Fans, underrated 90s horror. And while you're over there, check out the uh, best 80s slashers that Andy and I did as well. But getting into this, something I was just telling Andy before we started recording is – the 90s is when I became a horror fan, so I hold it near and dear to my heart. When I, when I think about, like, whenever I first saw my first horror movies on TV, I think they were around, like, I would say probably when I was, like, in the range of, like, 11 to 12, 
And that would have been the 90s for me. Like, um, let's see, because in, in 1990, I was 12. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, so yeah, that would have been right around when I started, you know, seeing some stuff on TV. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched, I, 90s was kind of like the, dec- the decade I really tuned in to horror, which, you know, I saw a lot of 80s movies in that time, 80s horror, you know, in that time. But also um, in the 90s, I was kind of like, the decade when I could start going to see movies by myself at the movie theater, you know, that's, and I saw a lot of horror movies in the theater and you especially like starting around 95, you know, that's when I, cause I was uh, 18 and, or no, I was 17 and 95. So I, that's when I could really start going and seeing like the, all the R rated stuff by myself. And so, so 95 to 2000, you know, I was, I was seeing a lot of stuff in the theater, but I think, I think maybe one of the big things why people have that opinion or that impression of the 90s horrors, maybe because in the 90s they didn't have the iconic villains like they did in the 80s. Uh, you know, I mean, in the 90s we had Candyman. That's a big um, one. That's a big one. Um, yeah, you had Sons of the Lambs, which some people don't consider that horror, which I'm, I, I, I probably do consider it horror, but. I'm not, I don't know. I feel like Hannibal Lecter was kind of like in the early '90s. He kind of started getting a little bit of that horror cred. Um, you know that people started looking at him as like a horror icon a little bit, but then that kind of went away because they didn't really make any more Sons of the Lambs movies. You know, it, well during that time, like later on, like when did Hannibal come out? Or was Hannibal, Hannibal the second? Was, man, that for some reason I didn't look this up. Hannibal's like 2001. Like yes. late 90s or right after the cusp of the millennium? Well, I remember going to see that in the theater, and I, it was definitely like 2001. Okay. Two, 2000, actually, it was 2000. That's what it was. Okay. Um, just because I remember who I was with and everything, so that kind of sets the date for me. But, uh, um, yeah, so there was quite a spread between the Sounds of the Lands movie and then any preceding sequels. So, um or any subsequent sequels, I should say. So anyway, so I think maybe that kind of died off for Hannibal Lecter. But then you have you have the Candyman, but like he only had one theatrical release, and the rest were like direct to direct to video sequels. So like yeah, in between like yeah, like Dracula, uh, Gary Oldman played an mm-hmm. excellent Dracula. So you had that, but but it wasn't really like there wasn't like sequels, and it wasn't like franchises like we saw in the eighties. Right, and I'm trying to. So I, I think that I'm thinking that's one of the major reasons why people kind of look down on '90s horror on that decade, anyway. Um, you think it was the shift on movies going straight to video, and so a lot of those movies maybe weren't even seen. Exactly. I think there was a lot more direct-to-video movies um, that came out during that time, so there was less horror being released in the theater. So maybe that you know that horror was getting less of a mainstream viewing. And um, so I think a lot of the movies just went under the radar, and you know there there was so with with direct to video horror movies that means you get a lower budget, and so you don't get a the quality probably does go down a little bit with with a lower budget, but as we've seen with some movies, lower budget doesn't necessarily equate lower quality, but I think there's there was a lot of I think there was more. Uh, in the 90s i think some of the folks went from like these franchises to like kind of different t- 
topics, different types of horror movies. I think we saw a lot more like creature features in the 90s. Um, we saw a lot in the 80s, but I think in the 90s, you saw a lot more like direct to video creature features. You saw like, um, you know, we had like Predator 2. Right. Um, that was that was a cool one. Um, and maybe, maybe people consider that to be more action. I don't know. But then you also had the Child's Play movies. You had not the first one, but Child's Play 2 came out in the 90s and 3. Um, so you had that. You had Chucky. Chucky was kind of a big icon in the 90s, I think. Um, but he didn't, I don't know, he didn't really have the staying power of like some of the other ones in the 80s, it seemed like. Because whenever, I remember like being in the 90s, being a teenager in the 90s, and like the big, coming out of the 80s, like the big horror icons were Freddy and Jason. Michael Myers was kind of like not really in the forefront because, you know, he his last movie was in the 80s and they didn't make a new Halloween until like 95. That's when Halloween 6 came out. So there was a gap there. I mean, there was a gap for most of those. Uh, you know, you had New Nightmare with uh, Wes Craven did New Nightmare in the early 90s, I want to say. Yeah, it was like 92. Yeah, 92. So you had that. But I don't know. That wasn't really like a normal Freddy movie to me. Uh, it definitely has a different feel to it than like the other Nightmare sure. on Elm Street. They tried know? to make it dark and scary again. But yeah. I think, and this could be said about, and I'm a fan of New Nightmare. I know you're not a big fan of New Nightmare. I recently uh, rewatched it again, and I still think it holds up pretty good. I can see the flaws in it, but I still enjoy it. And what I base that on, too, besides just the movie itself, is I'm looking at where they're coming from. And when you look at, like you mentioned, Halloween 6, but we didn't get another one since like 89 which was five halloween five is easily in my opinion the worst one in the franchise and and i hate to say that if anybody out there is a listener who actually contributed to halloween five it sucks (laughs) it's not that good but halloween six was like a milestone high and i know you know obviously people know we love it because our uh couple episodes ago we talked about the versions of six but when it kneels down to it six is one of our favorites if not is it your i couldn't remember is six your absolute favorite or is it your favorite sequel uh, it's probably not my favorite sequel or my favorite movie in the franchise, but I do I do really like it. Um, okay. I would say, like, definitely, you know, the first one, one and two are probably my favorites. Okay. Um, of the original series, you know, I'm not talking about any of the newer movies that are also one and two or one. Right, no, we're going original <laughs> storyline. <laughs> yeah, there's like three Halloween, and it's, it's like, oh my gosh. But, Halloween you know. definitely has one of the most confusing storylines because it's almost like one of those rl stein goosebumps like choose your own adventure you have to go which (laughs) family uh bloodline you're gonna roll with but yeah i think i think we're on the same page so it's like the original halloween one and two one two and three we both love we can't we cannot i know it's not myers but we cannot deny halloween three so one two three and six are kind of the the big heavy hitters for halloween but getting back to what i was saying is okay halloween five didn't make a lot of money wasn't that great who knows? There's probably studio change hands, executive change hands, whatever. But then same thing with like Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay, yeah, maybe you're not a huge fan of New Nightmare, but oh, dude, it was like milestone better than Freddy's Dead. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, another interesting thing that I noticed in the '90s was there. Stephen King had like a bunch of movie adaptations come out in the nineties. I could just delete my whole page of notes now because that's where I was going. <laughs> that's it, man. Like Stephen King, he got a huge start right in the 80s with, with well late 70s like with carrie and he had some of his big numbers through the 80s but i think is it is it just me but like 
it wasn't until the 90s where like people like latched onto him because in the 80s we got a lot of theatrical Stephen King movies but in the 90s it was just like if it's a story bam it goes to VHS yeah i mean we did get we definitely got some theatrical releases we got like misery let's see here you had graveyard shift i think that one actually came out in the theaters if i'm not mistaken um you had uh pet cemetery 2 uh which was which i recently watched and i really liked that one because i was thinking that i didn't like that movie when i first saw it like as a kid or whatever but i recently rewatched it and it's actually pretty good it, you know it definitely has a different feel than the first pet cemetery even though they're the same director which is interesting uh mary lambert did both of them and uh but the second one is actually pretty decent pretty decent uh flick um you had the lawnmower man uh you had sleepwalkers mm-hmm um, you had the dark half. You had needful things, the Tommy Knockers, which was like a mini series on TV. Yeah, we can't skip it. The mini series, nineteen ninety. Exactly, it, it the mini series, uh, thinner. Uh, I saw apt pupil back in ninety eight. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, you know, I watched it once. I didn't really get into. It. I probably should watch it again. You know, I think it know. falls more under thriller. Than horror, yeah. so I think if you watch it with the right mindset, yeah. Did, did Night Flyer come out in the 90s too? Oh, yeah, that's like 97 right. Think, or yeah, something. like I said, so. all these and Ling- Lingaliers was probably a 90s oh, movie. Oh, yeah, and definitely. Yeah. I, I look at these movies from somebody who didn't read the books, but after watching the movies, it just makes me want to read the books. Like the mind that Stephen King has, the things that he creates, sometimes I know there's a there's a saying out there that Stephen King doesn't know how to end his stories, that he always starts them amazing, goes through, and at the end, I don't know if it's just the ends are the same or whatever have you, but that's when some of these directors can take liberties and change certain things. And I don't know, man, call me crazy, but I really like a lot of the 90s Stephen King stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. And all, I also can't forget to mention the Stan miniseries. I know a lot of people are a fan of that. You know, they just rebooted that? Yeah, I saw that they're they're airing episodes for the new reboot now. Depends what app you have, if you can watch it or not. <laughs> oh, okay. That's twenty twenty one right there, man. Who you subscribe to? CBS app? <laughs> oh man, yeah. The but that's ridiculous, yeah. I want to touch base on something you said the other day because um this might shock you a little bit. Obviously, it's impossible to see every horror movie ever made, but we sure as hell try. When the other day you text me we were talking about prepping for this episode. You're like, I've already knocked out all these movies. I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know I was supposed to be studying so much. Okay, let me see <laughs> what he has. And there was, believe it or not, I had only seen a, about 60% of what you sent me, just a little over half. And I didn't have enough time to watch all the other movies. So I had to pick one. And when you told me that one of them was probably your favorite on the list, I was <laughs> like... I've owned this movie and I've never seen it. Oh, so wow. I just watched Graveyard Shift the other night for the very first time. What'd you think? I loved it. Awesome, man. Yeah. It, I, it was such a good flick. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it, it, it comes from a Stephen, a short story by Stephen King off of uh, Night Shift, I think is the book or, or Skeleton Crew, maybe. I don't know. One of those two. But anyway. Um, yeah, but I mean, they expanded out to a feature-length film, and uh, yeah, they definitely changed it a little bit. Uh, but still, man, I, I love the creature effects. Um, 
you know, you get Brad Dourif as the exterminator. He's he plays a great character. Dude, like when you told me, you're like, oh, Graveyard Shift's probably my favorite. Brad Dourif is in it, and I was like, if I had known Brad Dourif was in this movie, <laughs> I would have watched it a long time ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, awesome. he, he's so good. Yeah, he should have been in it more. Like he just kind of has a a bit part, pretty much. He gets he was killed busy off. Busy voice Chucky, man. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, that was a great one, and one that you had told me about that I caught was the Clown at Midnight. Yes. That was really good. That was really, really yeah. creepy. Um. And I I can definitely see why you like it as much as you do because of how much they do reference Lon Chaney Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how it it kind of has a nod to the Phantom of the Opera Mm -hmm. just with, like, the setting, the theater setting and the unrequited love and all that kind of stuff. It was great seeing Margot Kidder again. Yeah, yeah, she did good. And, you know, James Duvall, you know, he's always good in whatever whatever he's in. Um, I feel like he'd get a lot more acting credit if people had seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that's definitely one that people haven't seen. It's on Prime. You know, if you like clown out. movies, it's definitely in the top half of the better ones. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've, I know. I noticed in the '90s there was also like a uh, a bunch of like these killer kid movies that came out. Like you had like uh, The Good Son uh, with Macaulay Culkin and uh, and one that I just I just recently watched called Mikey, and it has uh, Brian Bonzel. I think is his name from. Uh, he was a little kid in Family Ties, that show in the eighties, yeah. with uh, Michael J. Michael Fox. J. Fox. Yeah, <laughs> I was also called Michael Keaton, but I think that was his name <laughs> in the show. Don't give or, him. Wait, no, Michael Keaton is Batman. Oh, what am I? Exactly. J. Now Fox you got is... me thinking about what if Michael J. Fox was Batman. This is horrible. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, but yeah. So Brunt, so Mikey is this other movie that came out in the nineties. He's like a killer kid. You know he. I don't know, but I got a little frustrated with that movie because of like, okay, he's he's just like a ten year old kid. Like, surely, like one of the adults in the movie is gonna like take get the best of him and like, you know, just like spank him or <laughs> just like, <laughs> you know, give him an attitude. But no, he he freaking, I mean, you know, spoiler for Mikey, but this is like an older movie, but. Well, yeah, you, you haven't seen Mikey yet, right? I haven't seen it, but I'm, I don't know. Um, let me ask you this one question real quick before you spoil it, and that'll kind of let me know it, what I'm ready for. You know I'm a fan of Milo, and I know that you're kind of not. They're yeah, both, it's, uh, it's, it's they're right, both yeah. kid killers, right? Which yeah. one's better, in your opinion? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Um, Hit me with the Mikey thing, then. That tells me what I need to know. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just okay. So I was getting really frustrated with that movie because I'm like, he's he's a ten year old kid. Like you could take him. Like there's nothing supernatural about this kid. There's nothing. He's just they just portray him as having being really smart. So he kind of like he kind of has like thought through everything to like a very detailed level. Okay. And so he's able to. So that's how he's able to get the best of these adults because. Well, one, they've got their guard down because they're not expect like they've gone through this whole movie and they still don't realize that he is a killer. You know, it's just like, come on, people, you know. And, but he's this ten year old kid. Okay, if a, if a ten year old is coming at you with a knife or a hammer, you're just gonna be able to like drop kick that kid down the stairs and be and the movie's over. You know, but no, right. these people are like, Mikey, put down the hammer. Mikey, why do you have that? What? No, Mikey, you know. And it's like, <laughs> sounds like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> Yeah, basically, you know, it kind of boils down to that. It's, you know, it had Ashton Lawrence in it, which is, which is cool. You oh, know, that's like, pleasant. 
uh, I'm trying to think of uh, has a guy has a guy that I recognized from Miami Vice, but Oof. yeah. So was it graphic at all, or was it censored? Um, it wasn't super graphic, from what I remember. Um, yeah, no, it the violence was pretty toned down, really. Okay. Um, they, well, yeah, it's you got to be careful, man, because though you're right about that kid not having any supernatural ability, there are still some killers that do. But I I watch it with the same grain of salt of like you should be able just to lift that doll or drop kick that leprechaun. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think in the nineties, there was a big thing about, you know, yeah, it's like little, little horror or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Those are yeah. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have like, um, yeah, I, you have like leprechaun child's play. Um, yeah. Rumpel Steel Skin, I think came out in the nineties. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh man. Uh, you know, and, but then you also had like movies like critters, you know, and Pinocchio's revenge. Oh yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, oh, it's one to watch at least once because <laughs> it's literally Pinocchio killing people. Yeah, and you know, so I think going back to In Defense of the '90s, I I recognize that there's a lot there's a lot more direct to video movies that came out, and so maybe there was like a lesser quality in in that realm. But I think we got a lot of we still got a lot of decent horror in the '90s. I think especially for me, it was more in like the mid to late '90s. Um, Obviously with Scream, but um, I think everybody knows about those Scream, Urban Legend. I know what you did last summer. Those kind of things. Those are those are cool. You have like the Tremor sequels, which yeah, those are, those are okay. Um, trying to think of like ones that really stick out. I really like Species. I mean, I, I love Species. I know it's. Kind I saw of, one and two. Yeah, they were. Those are pretty good. I think after that, I haven't seen anything after that. But from what it looks like. Just from what I've seen, they kind of definitely fall off in quality after the second. Now, do you only watch those because your favorite actress is Natasha Henstridge? <laughs> yeah. Well, the only reason the only reason I say that is because I think you love all her movies because you are a big defender of Ghost of Mars. That's oh, that's heavy right. hitter yeah. of the '90s, wasn't it? Did it come out in the '90s? I think it was late '90s. I could be wrong. It. Maybe it's borderline, maybe 2000, but. I feel like it was like, yeah, I feel like it was 2000 or something like that. All right, I'm going to put it to the test right now. Our listeners already have done it. Somebody's laughing at me, but (laughs) Ghost of Mars, according to Internet Database, is 2001. So, hey, from species fame, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Dust Till Dawn. What do you think? Are you you a fan of that movie? I am. I actually, I remember I had saw the second one first, which was a straight-to-video yeah, Texas Blood Money. You know, I'm from Texas. Cool, I, I can dig it. And it had uh, was it Robert Patrick, the guy from uh, T1000 from Terminator 2. Uh, He's the main character in it, and okay, it was a lot of fun. But there is a huge difference when you go and watch the first one, and then you're like, okay, like this one is mega, you know, budget mega star in this here. But it probably won't surprise anyone, especially you, to know that I like part two better than part one because traditionally sequels just do it for me, man. Yeah. Um, oh, another another one that really sticks out. The one something that I did see as a kid was the Night of the Living Dead remake. Yes, nineteen ninety. Yeah, directed by Tom Savini. Um, yeah, that was a great one. I mean, um, I and I actually prefer that one over the original. I think you know that might be heresy, but um, I just think you know obviously the effects are better. Are you know heads and tails above what 
I think George Romero did great with what he had, you know, back in the 60s. But I think Tom Savini just kind of put it over the edge, especially with a zombie movie. You got to have really good practical effects. And I think he did that with this one. Sure. And the story was interesting. He changed it up a little bit from how the original went, which I don't know. I kind of like the, you know, you had like the, the final girl be kind of like a, end up being like a badass character you know towards the end you know kind of sure fight, fighting her way out of the zombies which i like that let's see it. and then uh you know you have like clive barker you know kind of still doing this thing in the 90s with nightbreed you know nightbreed yeah. is great great movie but especially if you like monsters you know and that's just another nod to the creature features of the 90s i think you know with like species nightbreed you have like even like deep rising you know though i guess there was some cg in that but 90s um, definitely introduced us to the work of CGI. Like it may have been done before, ever so slightly in movies, but man, when it were, those straight to video movies came out, even some of the big budget ones that maybe had the best at the time CGI, dude, I know in the 90s, like it all looked believable to me. Yeah. Like, I go back and watch it today, right. and I'm like, okay, not so much. But dude, when that stuff came out, I thought it was out of this world. Yeah, and I remember one instance. Uh, so I watched. Uh, I saw the the second Children of the Corn movie, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice, I think it was called, or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. And that was a direct-to-video movie, I think. Um, but I thought there was one sequence where, like, the the lead kid kind of gets, like, reborn or whatever. And there's, like, a there's like a computer-generated sequence in that. And I at the time, I thought it was really cool. But, you know, watching it here recently, I was like, wow, that looks really bad. <laughs> uh, just it doesn't really hold up at all, but I think the computer graphics of the '90s left a lot to be desired. Especially they don't really hold up, especially when you watch them now. And so, um, so that could be something that you know, kind of like takes you know some of those movies down a notch. Maybe turn somebody off from watching it. But you know, even then, I think if you know what you're getting into, or if for like us, we watched these movies growing up. So if you if you grew up in the '80s or '90s watching these kind of movies, they're still there's definitely a nostalgia factor, but there's also just a little bit of love, a little bit of charm to these movies. So you have like um, Ghost in the Machine. That was a really oh. cool one in the 90s that, gosh, I haven't seen it forever. Or like Cube, where there's a lot of practical, but then a little bit of CGI mixed in. That It still it still works. Hmm. You know, I've never seen Cube or uh, Ghost in the Machine. I'm going to have to take care of that. Yeah, you mm. – oh. Man, I, Julie and I sat down, and I had seen these movies before because I loved them, but I had her watch um, all three Cube movies in one night. Oh, okay. And uh, if you're going to do that, do it to yourself in that order. Go Cube, Cube 2, Hyperspace, and Cube 0. A lot of fun. Okay. There was one movie that I rewatched. I saw one that came out in the theater, and I wasn't too – I was like kind of kind of like meh on it. I didn't really care for it, but I rewatched it, and it was actually pretty good. It's called – uh, Stir of Echoes, and this was like ninety nine. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, Kevin uh, Bacon. Yeah, and this and and the story is by Richard Matheson, so that was mm -hmm. cool. Uh, I didn't realize that I think when I first saw it, but it it was pretty good. I mean, for a you know like a ghost story, I feel like the ghost was kind of minimal in it. It was more of like the murder mystery type thing as this as the movie went on. Well, yeah, it's labeled as a thriller more than anything else. Um. But no, I'm with you, dude. I've talked about that movie a handful of times, and I'm really glad that you do like it because yeah. I think Kevin Bacon's performance as an actor in that movie is top notch. Like, I w that dude probably could have played um, in The Shining. 
just seeing his insanity with the axe. I'm like, oh, put him in a shining remake. Let's <laughs> yeah. do this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I remember one that I always saw the the the, the VHS cover in the video store, but I never rented it. Was Ice Cream Man with Ron, with I almost said Ron Howard. It was Clint Howard, his brother. <laughs> uh that that one was it was okay um definitely you know kind of you could tell it's like directed video had a lower budget um it's a lot of I, fun though it is yeah it, it was fun um clint howard did clint howard did a really good job with you know that that i think he's kind of an unsung actor you know he's like somebody that nobody ever really talks about but i think clint howard like obviously he gets overshadowed by his brother ron but i think and he and he's kind of relegated to these B movies, but he's a really good actor. Um, oh, there's nothing I'm, he can't do, man. Yeah, I remember seeing him back when he was a kid on Star Trek, like the original yes. Star Trek. Yes. He was he you know, he was in that, and that was kind of cool. I was like, wow. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to give Clint Howard props because he's a good, especially a good genre actor. But I think he could he could do other stuff as well. Um, one that I rewatched that I saw in the theater as a kid was arachnophobia. Oh yeah. That, that one was really good. I, um, I really, I remember really liking it as a kid because I felt like I, even though it was only PG 13, I felt like I was watching like an, an adult horror movie, you know, because there was a lot of kill, you know, it's quite a few kills that seemed like in that one. And spiders uh, are creepy dude. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Spiders in general. Yeah. I think they did a really good job. I don't think there was any like CG in that at all. I don't, as far as I know, I think I, I don't know, man. I, I, more than anything else, live spiders, and then uh, maybe like, what's the word I'm trying? I, I brain farted the uh, not anamorphic like uh, puppets. Yes, uh, they probably had puppets. Yeah, I think there was like some puppets going on there. Yeah, somebody out there saying the name, and I'm like, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I remember um, arachnophobia and ghoulies were the only movies that made me kind of terrified of the toilet. <laughs> Oh, I'm yeah. Always going to check first, man. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. Definitely didn't want to mess around with any spiders. Uh, I also I also watched Bats from 99. That's one that Lou... I purposely skipped. Yeah. <laughs> it had I... Lou Diamond Phillips in yeah, it. I don't have no love for Lou Diamond Phillips, man. Tell me about oh, it. Okay. Is that movie any good? It's a, it's a, it's a decent creature feature. I mean, there's, there's definitely some CG with like the the bat swarms and stuff like that. There's like CG, but like when you get the bats up close, they're more like puppets, you know, like okay. kind of doing stuff, which, you know, it, it's, it, I don't know. The effects don't necessarily hold up as well, but it was an entertaining movie. Okay. Um, if you like creature features, um, animatronic, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Animatronic. That's, that's kind of like, uh, well, you'd like with movies like tremors, you press probably what you yeah. get there with, some of like the big giant kind of what they call puppets, but they're like mechanical and yeah, you like jaws. You only see half of it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Andy, can I bring one to the table? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring one that I think, you know, it's just as popular as all of the slashers we mentioned with the, the teen horror movies. Right. But I think one of the biggest heavy hitters of the nineties that definitely got the props it deserves I don't remember if you're a fan of this movie to the extent that I am, but I, I'm, now that I'm thinking about our Black Cat Shadow Days, maybe you are. That's from 1999, man, The Blair Witch Project. Oh, yeah, that one was great. Um, I think when I, I rewatched it here recently, and I think 
the only thing that really got to me was just the uh, the arguing, you know, between the sure. characters. But I mean, I guess that's realistic. If people are lost, let me in ask the you woods, a question: Knowing yeah. what you know now about what those actors were put through, isn't it clear as day? Like, can't you feel the authenticity of their anger and frustration? And dude, just watching them starve made me hungry. Yeah, yeah, for real. I mean, it, it, and what we, yeah, we actually learned a little a bit of behind the scenes when we talked to Daniel Myrick, you know, Black Hat Shadow. Um, he told us about, you know, some of the things that they, that they actually like really scared the actors and they, did, they didn't necessarily tell them what was going to happen scene by scene, you know, scene from scene. So a lot of that is like, I mean, there's a lot of acting, I'm sure, but like they were really like feeling it. Like they were really scared, uh, really just like out in the woods, like not knowing, like they were really lost. I think there was almost think, no script either. Yeah. That, yes. That's why there's so many bad words is it, it's literally ad-libbed conversation between them and just watching them literally lose their cool consistently in that movie to the point where what we didn't know as a viewer was they were going from sun up to sun down trying to find a lot of times their resting place or find the walkie talkie so they can get their next meal like it, it's it's kind of harsh in a way but also um we're gonna call that method directing <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i mean it was, it was interesting it was an interesting experiment um and i remember did Blur Witch 2 come out in the 90s, or was that two th- That might have been in the 2000s, I I'll think. I'll look it up while you're talking, but I loved Book of Shadows, but yeah, totally oh, yeah. different movie. Totally different kind of movie. <laughs> exactly. I was a little disappointed in it, but I haven't seen it since the theater, so I should probably rewatch it. 2000, of course. That's yeah, I probably I probably need to rewatch that one, because it, it was a long time ago since I've seen it. But, uh, but yeah, Blur Witch was great. You know, that that kind of like brings us to, like, you know, that, was, that wasn't the first found footage movie but it was like the first like mainstream one i think that really brought that style of filmmaking to the forefront you had like the last broadcast which i've seen it i wasn't a huge fan of it i think i don't know i think i didn't like the ending but i think it was cool for what it was trying to do yeah with the found footage angle um let's see the thing about 90s that, if I'm being honest, makes me feel heavily nostalgic, nostalgic is the video store, man. Like, the 90s was the time that I spent so much time, because I became a horror fan in the 90s, so I spent most of my time in the horror section in the video store at the 90s, and those were the days of get your movie, get your popcorn, get your candy, get your soda, and that was like the... like. You put in your, you know, we weren't working, right? We were, we were kids getting through. And I, I know you, towards the late nineties, you became the, uh, you know, adult or whatnot. Can get into. It. That was cool. <laughs> Lucky you, you get to get into the movies. But man, there was nothing like going to school all week and then bam, weekend was here. You want to get your horror movie uh, watch party on? You go and you rent, you know, three or five VHS tapes for the whole weekend. And you watch things like Night of the Scarecrow or The Relic, and oh man, it was just so much fun. But oh, just take me back. Oh yeah, speaking of the relic, that was another one I really loved. Yes, I saw that I, one in theater, dude. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I I had actually watched read the book before I saw the movie, and so the book is a little different, but still, I yeah, I really like that movie. I think the the and there's uh, there's definitely some CG in that one. When, but, when did you rewatch that last? Uh, it's probably been a a year or two since I've seen it the last time. When you watched it. Did the CG hold up okay? Because I remember when I saw it in theater, I didn't know how they did. I was just like, man. Yeah, 
No, I, I think it does for the most part. And I think at the end, you know, when there's a lot of fire effects and things mm-hmm. like that, I won't like if if, it, if people haven't seen, I don't want to spoil it. But you know, I think maybe those are. I don't know. I it's I I may have to rewatch that one just to kind of see if it does. buy I'm pretty sure the the computer graphics do hold up. Uh, but it has some really cool practical effects too with the monster as well, which I really really thought was cool. Um, but uh, and those kind of movies are right up my alley, just like you know monster movies like that. Um, uh, yeah, Deep Rising, yeah, Deep Blue Sea, like in the later nineties. The oh, shark had, craze. <laughs> yeah, 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 some shark movies. But then uh, talking about remakes, you know, with the Night of the Living Dead, but you also had another one. House on Haunted Hill. Oh, that is right. Like at the I, at the tail end of the nineties there. Yeah, I like that one too. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty good. And it it kind of it kind of developed a lot. It it brought some of the tropes that we've seen or that we saw in the two thousands, I think. It like it created a lot of the ghost tropes that we see in the two thousands and especially like the early two thousands, I think, because with sure. like the because I think, you know, with some of the uh, ghost effects like the head the head twitching or whatever thing that whatever you call that like with like the blurry head that kind of like goes back and forth really fast that that's something that i actually just saw in a 2020 movie that i watched the other day i'm like really you're still doing that (laughs) um talking about john john carpenter we had mentioned him earlier but he did uh vampires yeah and i don't know if that one necessarily holds up on a rewatch but i remember you know back in I think it was like 98 when it came out. And I I, I remember um, I was all big into vampires at that point. And I remember like I had kind of like kind of like dressed up, you know, to go see this one. Like I didn't really wear like anything clothes wise, but like I mean, I, I wore clothes, but that <laughs> <laughs> came out wrong. <laughs> but uh, no, I had these like, like a vampire per se. Yeah, so I, I got these contact lenses that were like those cat eye contact lenses yeah. for Halloween, and so I popped those in. I put some like fake blood on my mouth, and I went in the theater like that. I thought that I thought I was being really cool, you know. Were you the only but, one dressed up for that movie? Oh yeah, yeah. There was no, I mean, there was, it, but it was on Halloween, so I don't think people really like thought too much of what I was doing. They're just like whatever. Like nobody ever like nobody even said anything to me. I just had this like blood you know, coming out of my mouth and the contact lenses. But uh I uh yeah, I was like really big in, into vampires and so I was super excited to see the movie and when I, you know, back in ninety eight I loved it. And I think I think it's been a long time since I've rewatched it, but I know on like the most recent watch, I think I was a little I could kind of see some of the I don't know what you call, but it was there was some like you know a lot more about movies now, huh? So you're seeing how things are done. Yeah, I I think there was a little drop in quality. Like, there, I kind of noticed some like things that didn't quite hold up with it. But there's still a lot of really great practical effects in that movie. I, I specifically remember one scene that uh, it split me in half. What can I say? Yeah, that one was really cool. Uh, that whole scene within the hotel in the motel with the vampire yeah. hunters that was that was really effective. I think you know and that that lead vampire he was really cool. Um, and that's one of the things I really like you know, that kind of that I connect with on with a horror movies if it has a, like a really good villain, you know, and I think that one had a sure. good villain. Well, heck, I mean, just sticking with John Carpenter, dude, we had In the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I yeah, I uh, 
I have not seen Village of the Damned since I saw it in the theater, so Whoa. back in the nineties. So Luke uh, Skywalker's probably, in it. <laughs> really? Yeah, Mark Hamill. He played oh, the priest. Oh, I totally forgot. I know that Christopher Reeve was in it. Kirstie yeah. Alley. Yeah, Kirstie Alley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. But, Event Horizon. Oh yeah, Event Horizon. I, that was another one I was looking forward to watching, and I, I loved it when I saw it back then because I read the book. It was like a novelization that came out, and I read that, and then I went and watched the movie, and the movie was great. And you read a lot more than I knew. Oh yeah, back when I was a teenager, I did a lot of reading. I read a lot of, uh, I read a lot of Dean Koontz and like some Stephen King, and uh, Michael Crichton. I read that yeah. too. So. And of course, the '90s was a big decade for Michael Crichton. You had Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. You had Sphere. You had Congo. Um, what other ones? I don't remember what other '90s movies he had, but oh, uh, there's one with Antonio Banderas, and I don't know if it was in the '90s. I think it was. It's called. I think it was called The Thirteenth Warrior when it came out in theaters. Oh yeah. The book was actually called. Yeah, it came out. <clears throat> it came out in '99. And the book was called, I think the book was called Eaters of the Dead. And Much cooler names. Yeah, the, the movie is more like an action movie. I don't think there was any. Sorry, I he still got paid. Yeah, I don't think the movie really had much horror to it, but the book was definitely more like horror-centric. Like, definitely had like, I think it was actually like monsters that they were fighting and stuff. And I, I don't remember what, I, I don't think the movie was quite as quite as much like that, but. I don't really remember too much of the movie anyway, but yeah, you know, you had the faculty in the late nineties. That was a good Loved one. it. That was another body body snatcher movie, aliens, creatures, you know, big monster at the end. I loved it. Um Josh Hartnett fame. Oh yeah. was that his first? Because that one and H two O H two O was before that. <laughs> okay. Cause I remember they both kind of came out at the same time and like he kind of had the crazy hair in both movies, I think. Yeah, you know, like the bedhead or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I got one that a lot of people are gonna love since we are doing a tribute to the '90s. I don't think anybody can say anything wrong or bad about Dead Alive. Oh yeah, that's right, Peter Jackson. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, Dead Alive. I remember seeing that. I saw that one when I was a kid. I think I saw that. I don't That's know. Good. How, That's not for kids. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how in the world I was able to rent this movie, but I remember I did. Like I had to sleep over with some friends, and somehow, man, I don't even know. But somehow my parents let me rent it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like really super gory, and it's just like, but it, it was uh, it was interesting because it kind of like it was like a scary movie, but it had like the comedic tone to it. So we yeah. were like laughing. Yeah. But we're kind of scared at the same time. It was, so it's kind of my I, I feel like it was my first experience with something like that with kind of the comedy horror type thing. I'll tell you this. It wasn't Lawnmower Man that made me realize how deadly lawnmowers can be. It was this movie right here. Oh, yeah. That the the finale there. He's just. Yeah. That, Mowing zombies down. Yeah. So there's, there's something to be said for Peter Jackson. And, you know, now now he's known for like Lord of the Rings. And yeah. The, the King Kong remake, yeah, and it, but you know, it just kind of shows like you got to start with you know these like gory, you know, lower budget movies, and uh, yeah. but uh, I think that's kind of everybody has to kind of cut their teeth somewhere. But uh, got a question for you? Yeah. Okay, so 
we talked about a few movies. It came out in 1999. Which movie do you think made a bigger impact? The Blair Witch Project or The Sixth Sense? Both released the same year. Oh, I think I think The Sixth Sense probably. Think so? I don't know. Well, I guess when you, when you when you look at movies that came out after those two, like which one do you see other people copying the most? You know, like Mm. Well, that's a whole nother conversation because I will I will dissect M. Night Shyamalan's methods of how all his amazing twist endings were all pulled from the Twilight Zone. But that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, you know, in the 2000s, you had you did have a lot more like supernatural horror, but you had a lot of like but it took the form of like Japanese horror f- you know, films more than American, you know, more than like the sure. typical. Yeah, Ring came out in 2000, so. Yeah, so yeah, I don't... definitely that whole, I think the twist ending almost was redefined with the sixth sense. Like everybody tried to do it after that. Yeah, you know what movie really pissed me off because I feel like it completely ripped off the sixth sense was The Others with Nicole Kidman. Are you going to talk bad about that movie? Well, it's 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 a good movie. I, I'm, I won't say that, but I think. When I saw the ending, I was like, what? It was like... Aw, but Andy, I am yeah. your daughter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do remember that part. But yeah, so... So I, I can... so I, But I know that movie was based off of a, a, a novel. M.R. James, I think? Or... I don't remember. Was it like the... Was it the same novel... Wasn't the that old movie The Innocence? Wasn't that based off of the novel too? I think so. I think that's where the others pulls from. Yeah. So, so there. So I can't really say that it like. So way to go, it, Sixth Sense. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely you saw. Well, I don't know. Did we see a lot of found footage in the early two thousands? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of it was straight to video, but you had things like the Saint Francisville Experiment and slashers and like everybody like fangoria remember how they were making like straight to vhs tapes they did a handful of them and it seems like every franchise eventually did some sort of found footage like in the two so you said in the 2000s we'll think about halloween resurrection oh yeah that's right because they they did like the live the live stream you know now i'm having a hard time is halloween five or halloween eight the worst (laughs) That's another conversation too. Oh, yeah, definitely I, two of my least favorites for sure. Fair enough. That's okay. We're back in the nineties, not the two thousands. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, um, you know, talking about nineteen ninety nine. Not not to cut you off, but if I don't do it, I'm going to forget. I know one that made a bigger impact for me was audition. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, just oh, dude, you know. Eli Roth, Rob Zombie, all these people look back to this movie, and this movie was so successful about really pulling the rug out from under you because it made you sympathize with people that you, in the end, aren't supposed to. Yeah, that's true, and and it has yeah, which I have. That's like the only one of his movies I've seen, so I should probably. I don't know. I just haven't really been drawn to like. If audition oh. didn't make you want to see more of his movies, then you're probably not going to really <laughs> gravitate toward him because audition is definitely a big like bullet point of kind of his style. Okay. So I'm not going to say if, if you know if you don't like audition, you probably won't like Itchy the Killer, but there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah. another one in the 90s that you and I do both love, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Was that the 90s? It was 90. Oh, okay. Nice. And, yeah. And that one still had a 70s vibe to it, but oh, yeah. it counts and it's great. Yeah, no, I remember I first watched that back in like it must have been like around like 2000 when I first saw it and I didn't really like it back then. Okay. And but then I watched it just a few years ago or a couple years ago. Uh, back whenever we were preparing for that gut punch episode with Hellboy exactly. 4. Yeah, audition and uh Yeah, yeah. So I rewatched it and I really liked it this time. And I, and I think what what changed it for me was just I really appreciate it. There was more I noticed the character development. Yes. In in that movie. And I, it's something I didn't really notice when I was younger. It's something I pay attention to more as an adult or as an older, more like seasoned viewer of movies. I appreciate character development more. It just kind of like helps you to connect with the characters, even though I'm not I don't want to say I connected with Henry, you know, because he's a serial killer. But you know, the, the dynamic between the characters was interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like that movie. Um, it's not something I'm going to watch a lot, but I definitely uh, it's, it's definitely up there for like the realistic serial killer type movies. And the gut punch. And the gut punch, yeah. There's some other ones. Uh, of course, you know, Blade came out in the late 90s. I That was kind of more action oriented, though, I would say. But that was kind of in my vampire phase, you know, so I... I loved anything with vampires. So Blade, I, I watched that one repeatedly. That's before 90s. Marvel knew what they were doing too. They yeah. had some cool stuff on their hands. <laughs> exactly. But um yeah. And not you know, another one, yeah, so you have American World from London, but yes. in the nineties you had the sequel come out. Sure. American World from Paris. And at the time I loved that movie, but I, I recognize that it probably has some some bad CG in it. But, I think maybe one of the greatest and this will probably be the last one i'll bring to the table one of the the greatest ones that most people can agree with outside of things like blair witch and six cents because i'm not the biggest fan of six cents sorry yeah. is a seven. Oh yeah i totally didn't even think about this movie Dude, but you're when right seven came out people were talking about that movie i think i saw this one like three times in the theater when i was because that was like right when i st- I loved it, man. I loved like the dark atmosphere of it. Just you know, David Fincher was a director, you know, so he directed. Uh, did he direct Alien Three? Is that? Uh, I don't remember. Don't catch me lying. Okay, now I'm gonna. But I bet that that's in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, Alien Three was in the nineties. Yeah, definitely because I remember seeing the trailer for that, and I I was for those who I'd, can't see Andy right now. When I said seven, like his eyes lit up, and he almost jumped out of his chair. Yeah, because I that was one of my favorite movies when I like back when it first came out. I was like, I loved it because it was like, just because it was super dark and like it. I don't know. I um, it was like the a movie is methodical. Story. It works really good. Yeah, um, and I would say that one definitely could qualify as horror. I know that it, people don't probably put it in the horror category, but um, I think there's definitely like some some horrific scenes in that movie. I mean. Each one of the kills is is really freaky. I mean, you have sloth, you have well, gluttony. Gluttony was the first one. Then you had sloth. That was the other one where the the guy was kind of like mm-hmm. he was still alive. It's like wow. If you know I mean, your seven deadly sins, you know where this movie's going. 
Oh, and Lust. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that was... Yeah. Uh, the movie's pretty disgusting, man, but in all the right ways. But, yeah, David Fincher directed it. He also directed... I want to say he directed Alien 3. I'm going to have to look that one up, too, because I'm pretty sure he did. That sounds right. Yeah, Alien 3, yeah, because it's just the feel of Alien 3 just had that dark look, that darker tone to it, you know, and yeah. that more, like, industrial feel because you had, like, all the... You know, on that planet, it was like a... You know, the one where Ripley shaves her head. Yeah, yeah. It's all exactly. G.I. and Jade before it was cool. Yeah, so it definitely had that 90s feel to it, that kind of grungy kind of, like, feel. Um, you know, you had, like, the crow, you know, kind of fit into that mold, too. But that was a different director. Um, but, I don't know, do you consider the crow horror, or is that more, like, action, or... Uh, yeah, I would say the crow definitely falls in there because you you know like that's like saying Silence of the Lambs like oh some people say it's a drama some people say it's a horror the crow it faces the same things because again horrible stuff happens in here and any movie where somebody's gonna go out there and seek revenge by murdering people that really draws the line between horror and not yeah because I mean people nowadays consider a lot of revenge movies to be horror so sure especially when you do it with creative taste. Yeah, yeah, creative kills. Yeah, <laughs> Taking so. pleasure in it. But I think, you know, just, you know, in conclusion, I want to say that, you know, hopefully we've highlighted some movies in the 90s that kind of maybe give people a better appreciation for the decade. I don't I don't feel like it really deserves, like, the, the reputation that it gets. While there wasn't as many iconic villains, there was still some really cool horror movies that came out and ones that, like, I really connected to as a kid and, you know... And uh, that I'm nostalgic for. So, absolutely, man. Yeah, and, and even we we took our stabs at some of the movies. Like when we got into it, we started bringing some of them down. But in the end, we do love all these movies. And the '90s had such a big impact on so many people who were growing into the horror genre that it's a staple that can't be missed. Dave, um, if people want to keep up with what you're involved in, all the things that you're got going on, how can they uh, do that? Yeah, man. If you guys want to follow me, I'm on Twitter. It's at Dave underscore Phantom. You can see the 15,000 podcasts that I contribute to and stay in touch with all the horrific news. Awesome. And uh, for World of Horror with me, just uh, I'm on Twitter at Black Cat Podcast. Um, still have that same Twitter, but that's okay. Um, that, that'll be where I'll post uh, you know, all the news about this podcast and I'm also on Instagram at Andy Ustry. I'll post some stuff on there about the podcast as well. And uh, that's about it for social media for the podcast. So uh, I think most people just like to tune in and listen to the show. I'm not too worried about the social media aspect of it, but um, I do like to keep people updated on the latest episodes as they come out. So you've been listening to the world of horror.